This episode is brought to you by Ursa Minor Outfitters. Folks, I'm absolutely in love with my Loon mug. It's handmade. It's an absolute piece of art. Whether it's at the office or at the house, people keep asking to check it out. If you're not a Loon fan, they also have other beautiful mugs for wildlife fans of moose, bears, and eagles. They specialize in products highlighting the outdoors and local pride through quality design by local artists. They've even started expanding into items beyond mugs, like apparel, dog accessories, and soon candles and more. They also try to partner and highlight other small businesses and in some cases forgo profits in lieu of charitable giving to help their community such as the dog rescue. So check them out ursaminoroutfitters.com and enter promo code hikesmikes10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And for our four-legged hiking partners they also have a portable silicone dog bowl and also sweet over-the-collar dog bandana. Go check them out ursaminoroutfitters.com and don't forget to enter promo code hikesmikes10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of the Hikes and Mikes podcast. I'm your host, Ivan, and each week I'll be chatting with some amazing hikers from across the United States and abroad. Spring has finally arrived in the Pacific Northwest, and soon I'll be hitting the trails to record short-form episodes with hikers I meet along the way. Look out for those episodes to drop sometime in June for Season 3. In the meantime, we'll be asking some of your favorite hikers about their experiences and adventures. We always finish the episode off with a round of this or that questions all related to hiking. We have a great guest on today's episode. She is the founder of The Bench Project, a nonprofit hoping to inspire and nurture the human spirit by enabling connection through a shared experience, one bench at a time. Her name is Beth, and you can follow her on Instagram, at The Bench Proj. I had such a great time chatting with Beth on this episode. We speak about how a trip down to southern Utah with her daughter opened up a new world of hiking and adventures. We also learn how a 20-year wedding anniversary project on a small farm in Pennsylvania grew into a nonprofit with over 100 benches and across 30-plus states. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode with our guest, Beth. Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of the Hikes and Mikes podcast. I have a really exciting guest with us today. Her name is Beth, and she's doing an amazing project out in Pennsylvania. Thank you, Beth, for joining us today on the podcast. You know, we always like to ask our guests how they got started hiking and how long they've been hiking for. Sure. So thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this, not just about our hiking um, adventures, but also about like the hike we do on our farms. So, yes. So we got started in hiking actually not that long ago. So, you know, during COVID, my daughter and her boyfriend, who were really based in Philly, uh, they decided to take it on the road because they could work remotely and, you know, they wanted to see the country. So he actually bought a forerunner and they souped it up with a roof nest and, you know, so they could really live off the grid. So they did that. And that was very inspiring to us because they were like seeing so many places, especially out West that we had not seen. So that was probably our first inspiration. So that was during COVID. And then in 2020, Lenny and I 
decided um, we were going to buy a Revel van, uh, which looks like an Amazon van, kind of. But it's a Winnebago Revel. It's four-wheel drive, so it's off-road. It's got solar panels. It's pretty rugged inside. But that we were like, this is our retirement. This is what we're going to do, you know. So we bought that in preparation for it. And then in June of 21, Lily uh, said, why don't you guys come out and like dip your feet in this and see what you think about hiking? So they were at that point in Utah. So we decided, yeah, we'll do this. So we went out for... I think it was a little over a week and we started in Kanab and we, that was our home base. So we were in Southern Utah and we saw so many things in those, you know, probably eight days. You know, we were, we started out at the Great Chamber, which I don't know if you've seen that, but it's just um, outside of Kanab. And, you know, again, you needed a four by four to get to the trailhead, but it was almost like you were on a different planet. Like we were like, what are, I can't even believe this. So then we moved on and we saw the cosmic ashtray, which is pretty difficult to get to. And again, because, um, you know, Martine had the forerunner, you know, we were off-roading a lot, especially like in the desert, but that's part of like the grand staircase, uh, or the Escalante national monuments. So, you know, there was no one there. We were the only ones. And then this one guy came along from the other direction. And it was just to us, that was like, wow, we are missing so much. You know, I'm 60, my husband's 66. And and we were like, wow, I mean, this has all been here all these years. And like, we've really opted not to even look for it. So, you know, that, and then let me think, what else did we see? We went to Buckskin Gulch in the Slot Canyon, which was, you know, definitely a little more tourist. There were more people there for sure, but it was still really uh, kind of amazing to see. And then while we were there in Kanab, every day, Martine would go down to like I don't know, like the city hall or the town council area. And he would put his name in for the lottery to get us to go to see the wave. And every day, every day he'd come back and he's like, nope, didn't get it. Nope, didn't get it. And then finally we ended up, it was the last day actually that we were there and he didn't get it. But then someone came up to him afterward and said, hey, so there's another lottery and you're the only one in it. <laughs> and it's for uh, Coyote Buttes South. Okay. So that's not, the wave is Coyote Buttes North. So this is the Coyote Buttes South, but it's very similar. And again, they only allow like 10 people per day. And the reason is because it's so very fragile. So we ended up doing that. Well, oh my gosh, that was like something out of Mars. Like you would think you were on Mars. So looking at those, things. I mean, we saw a dinosaur a print, you know, that was like in the rock. And oh, I, I just, I can't even, it's hard to even verbalize like how we felt. Like my husband is usually a very big talker. And so many times during these adventures, he was speechless. He was like, I don't even, there's no words to even describe what we're saying. So at that point, that's when we were like, we really have to get out. We have to see more of what this country has to offer. So that's really what got us into the hiking thing was really our daughter Lily. Wow. And what an introduction by going to Southern Utah, Northern Arizona. I mean, there's so much to see there within a short, short distances. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, Beth, you're based out of Pennsylvania, and I haven't had a chance to do any hiking or exploring over in the Northeast. How would you describe the landscape and the environment in your neck of the woods? Uh, we're pretty mountainous here, so uh, not dry, uh, but probably, I would say, a little bit more on the wet side. So we do have a lot of waterfalls, but definitely mountainous terrain. Most of the hikes that we do that are local to us are definitely hill climbs for sure. Like moderate, I would say definitely moderate climbs for sure. Yeah. So hills and a lot of forest, you know, we have a lot of evergreens here. So it's a lot of forest, not not really too much open land. Okay. And what advice would you give to somebody like me from the West Coast that hasn't explored the Northeast that maybe I should consider when visiting, like whether it's bug spray or layers or just because the environment's a little different. Yeah, I would definitely say layers because if, especially if you're starting out in the morning, it's definitely going to be cooler and you're going to have to, you know, strip those layers. We do have a fair amount of bugs in the summer for sure. Um, but I would probably, most importantly, good shoes because of those hills. And especially if they're like state parks or places that are well-traveled, you know, there's not a lot of grip. So, you know, you'd need, I think, a good pair of hiking shoes, especially if you're going on mountains and hills, because there's a lot of slipping that could happen. Oh, okay. Good to know. And, you know, you talked about your trip to, to Kanab and, and Southern Utah, but the one picture that really caught my eye was, I think it was you and your daughter in front of snow-capped Rocky Peaks in a beautiful bluebird spring day. How was it visiting uh, Colorado and exploring that area? Yeah, so that was in April of 21. So that was right before, like a few months before Lenny and I went out to Utah to see Lily and Martine. But it was my first look at like what real mountains are. Like the, you know, we think we're kind of mountainous here. It's nothing comparatively. You look at those, the Rocky Mountains and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like, it's huge. And you know, the snow peaks sometimes like are there all summer long because it's just so high. So yeah, that was a really great trip. My daughter and I did a road trip out to Colorado because uh, she was going to start, they were going to start to do another venture with moving from Airbnb to Airbnb every month, but hiking on the weekends and still doing all of their stuff, but not living out of the forerunner. So she wanted to bring some stuff. So she took our old Volvo wagon and packed it up and I drove with her and then flew home. But we did spend an entire week driving around Colorado and some hikes, but a lot of visual mostly. You know, we started out in like Georgetown and I can remember when we were there that night, they got snow and we were, there was a little craft brewery there. So we were sitting there and our bartender said, we were like, wow, the snow, it's how much are we getting? And he's like, I don't know, but I hope a lot. And I'm like, ah, okay. You know, I'm driving. I'm not real crazy about that. He's like, I snowboard. And I, I, I said to him, how often do you snowboard? And he goes, every day. And I'm like, wow, of course, right? Like, why would I ask that? But like, it's what they do there. So uh, yeah, we went there, but we were going to take the Loveland Pass, 
but it was actually closed because they got so much snow. So we we kind of went a, a different route and went through Vale and different places up there. But, you know, we went through Silverton and that's actually where that picture that you saw was, which was like an old mining town. And there's actually another picture of a, a bench that has a two snowboards, one for the top and one for the bo- the seat of the bench. And that's where that is. That's outside of Coffee Bear, which is a, a really cute coffee shop right on the main street. And then we went through your Ray, which was another really just such a cute little mining town with great shops. Um, there was a coffee shop there called uh, Mojo's that was really the only thing open in the morning when we were getting ready to leave. But the lady was so kind and we actually talked to her about the bench project at that point too. Then we went on to Pagosa Springs, but probably my highlight of that little jaunt in Colorado was the Great Sand Dunes National Park. I mean, I had no idea. I was like, how can this be? Like, here you are, you're driving in. And I mean, those snow-capped mountains are right behind you or right in front of you. And then all of a sudden you're literally in the desert. It's just a phenomenon that's just, how does this even happen? And we went early because they told us, you know, people had said, you know, get there early because of the heat for one. And we did, we got there for sunrise, which was really get really great. And we stayed quite a while, but you know, as we were wandering around, so many families were coming in because there is actually like a little almost creek bed that goes through the base of the sand dunes. And so many people were coming in with their kids and posting up for the day. Like they were looking at a chair, they had picnics and coolers. And then the kids were just like running around. It was, it was really, really a huge highlight for me. Like I definitely have to get my husband back there because, you know, I don't know. I can see why that's a national park because it's pretty amazing. And I think, you know, a a lot of people... When they think of Colorado, they think of the Rocky Mountains and, you know, the, the ski towns, the mining towns, but the, the Great Sand Dunes National Park, it's one of those hidden gems where, like, if you have time in your Colorado trip itinerary, it's definitely worth the visit. Um, just cause it, it almost seems out of place, um, for Colorado. So much, so much. And some people even had like, um, they brought their snowboards and they were, you know, going down on the snowboards and it was really, it was on, honestly, phenomenal, but very difficult to walk in because, you know, the sand is definitely makes, you know, a walk a lot more uh, treacherous for, (laughs) for walking in because it's deep. The sand is deep. Yeah. No, I've been, um, for some strange reason, there's been a lot of sand dune hikes um, this winter for me. And Washington is, is kind of like Colorado with, you know, the mountainous, the forest, but in the middle of the state, Beth, it looks more like northern Arizona, New Mexico. It's it's a desert. But then there's like patches of, I want to say there's at least four sand dunes in the middle of the state that are just almost out of place. And yeah, you're right. Like hiking up them, it's, it's a workout. <laughs> Even the short distance that you do. Yes, for sure. (laughs) Now, Beth, you founded and created an amazing community through the Bench Project. For our listeners, can you share what the Bench Project is and how it came about? Sure. So back in 2013, my husband Lenny and I were married 20 years. And we originally had gotten married in Hawaii on the beach at sunset. 
And uh, we always said, we're going back. We're going to take the kids and their significant others. Everybody's going. And we honestly couldn't get out of our own way. It was, you know, the kids were in college. Lenny was working. Oh, I can't take time. And, you know, Hawaii so far. I mean, we really talked ourselves out of it. And uh, so we live on a farm with 110 acres, and there's a three-mile walking path around it that we would walk frequently, especially um, if we had one of the kids' dogs with us. That was, you know, always a reason to go every day. So we would walk frequently, and I would every time say this would be a great place for a bench because whether if it was at the top of a hill and you really just needed to sit or it was overlooking the farm or maybe down at the pond or in some spot that was just so peaceful and quiet. So, you know, I've always had a thing for benches. My mom had a bench in her backyard and I just think benches bring you back to a simpler time. You know, when people literally had time to sit. So people are really busy, it seems now. And, you know, finding that time is really hard. So I just felt like, you know what, I think I want to put 20 benches out, one for every year we're married. So we did. And I love repurposing things. So I found some at garage sales, yard sales. Some people gave me benches. I bought a few new ones, but typically uh, they were all, you know, they all had a home before the farm. And I put the benches out, but I really felt called to do something more because, you know, I was thinking about legacy and we're getting older and, you know, will our grandkids or our great grandkids even know who I am because you don't know how long you have here. So I decided to put a journal and a pen in a weatherproof bag or box on each bench. And I had just recently gotten into journaling. So I was really thinking this is good because, you know, I can share how I feel, but then other people can do the same. So I sat on each bench and I wrote why I was doing this, the bench project. And we just kind of started to call it that. And then wrote why I picked that spot and then wrote how I felt, giving permission for anyone that sat to do the same. So whether you're writing something beautiful and inspiring or something heavy that you need to stop carrying, either way, it feels good to leave it at the bench. So that's how it started. And, you know, we're recording this on the second week of spring. And I feel like spring gives a lot of people a sense of renew. People are starting to get more outdoors and enjoying the extra sunshine because of daylight savings time. On the farm, you know, I know each bench probably holds a special place in your heart. But on a nice sunny spring day, is there one bench that kind of pulls you or you gravitate to a little bit more frequently? Um, yeah, I would say there is. And we do. You're right. Like every bench I've named. So every bench kind of has a theme. So when people sit there, they're automatically kind of prompted to think about something that they could write about. So it's not just like, wow, what do I write here? But yeah, I think for me, it would be the butterfly bench by the big chicken. So right in our front yard, and I can see it from here. It's actually the front field. That field is planted with wildflowers. So in the summer, it's, oh, hip high at least with all kinds of flowers. And so there's so many butterflies that come there. And this kind of has a really special place because back in 2018, you know, this was 
five years after I had placed all the benches, we really had a tough year. And that was when I really realized that the bench project needed to go beyond our farm. But one of the tough things that had happened was we lost our first granddaughter, Mila Ruth, at birth. And her parents, my son Mark and Rosa, my daughter-in-law, they got married right in the field in front of us. So Mila was born in February. And then in June of that year, they had planned their wedding. So Lenny had cut out a spot in the middle of all the wildflowers, a path down, and then a big circle. And we put chairs down there and they had a beautiful arbor and that's where they got married. And as beautiful as it was, it was hard because, you know, we were all missing Mila, but she was there. I mean, their butterflies were there. The sky opened up. It was like It was a cloudy day and the sun just came out. So that place has such meaning. And, you know, we have the butterfly bench there because, first of all, whenever I sit, I see butterflies all the time. And they literally interact with me. Like they're they're Mila. They're not just like flying around. They're flying by my face and jumping and hopping around. So I love it. But then we put the big chicken there because we do have free range chickens here on the farm and I just kind of love chickens and we stumbled across that big chicken (laughs) and we thought that would be a perfect spot because, you know, it took a lot of bravery and a lot of courage to do that that day. And, you know, being chicken, as they say, you know, can kind of hold a lot of people back. But I feel like that's a spot uh, that, you know, you can really look at how big this chicken is, but it's not that big, just like your fears. So I think starting over in the spring, like you said, spring is that time when everything starts to grow again and you do get a second chance. So that's probably my favorite bench for that reason, because, you know, spring is time to do something different again and you get a, you, everything starts to grow and you know, so yeah, that's my favorite bench, especially for the spring. Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful story behind behind the bench, and you were um, kind enough to share a picture of the bench and the giant chicken next to it. And you know, from the picture, it's hard to tell the size. So I, I asked you before we started recording how big it was, and I was thinking, you know, four foot, five foot, but then you said no, that's ten, twelve foot chicken. Yeah, <laughs> and that's just wonder wonderful to have those butterflies and get a sense that Mila is still around when you sit on that bench. Yeah. And like you said, Beth, it has grown outside of the farm and you have a wide range of benches that are participating in the project across the nation. And, you know, I, th- I feel like benches are so unique because you can have the regular metal rod benches You know, some that I saw when I was researching this was the ones that were made out of snowboards and skis. In your opinion, what's the most unique looking bench that's participating in the project? Well, you know, we are also um, a 501c3. So that means we accept donations and we donate benches. So the benches that we donate are probably the most unique ones, I think. And they are a six foot bench and it's made out of like a polywood. So each bench is made out of 944 recycled milk jugs. And it's a beautiful like brown and tan two-tone. But on the back of the bench, it says the bench project and it has our little logo. And then that second board is for 
anyone to write whatever they want to for that special person or that good human, as I like to say. You know, when we donate a bench, usually it's because someone has a location or a person that is really means something to them. And a lot of times it's another nonprofit that we'll donate to, but other times it's, you know, someone locally or not locally that maybe has lost someone. Now in our area, I have a couple of other moms that I know that have lost their kids. So we've donated a few benches to them to put in special spots in our area. And we have one going in, in a couple of weeks, actually in mountaintop Pennsylvania, and it's going in for a dear friend of mine, Julie Winsock and her son, Justin Frederick passed away accidentally. And they just put the bench together yesterday. Her husband put it together and she came home and saw it. And she was, oh, she said, it brought me to tears because she said, you know, Justin was cremated. So we don't have like his name anywhere. But when I saw his name on that bench, I was like, oh my gosh, this is for Justin, you know? So it's so meaningful. And, you know, though the reason those benches are so very special is because they were placed for someone. So when you sit on that bench, you become part of their story and they become part of your story because, you know, all of the journaling, it connects us. And that's really what the bench project is about. You know, it's inspiring and nurturing the human spirit by creating a connection through a shared experience, one bench at a time. So connection makes us whole. And when you can like enter into someone else's joy or pain or inspiration, you know, we become connected. Yeah. That's definitely my favorite bench is the Bench Project benches. Oh, I love that. Right on. And those are available to be shipped nationwide, right? Yes, they're available to be shipped nationwide. And you can purchase those too. A lot of people purchase them to put in a park for someone specific. It doesn't just have to be donated. They can definitely be purchased. So, yeah. And would you say, Beth, that you need uh, to have some handyman skills in order to put it together? Or is it pretty pretty easy to put together? I think they're pretty simple. It's really a two-man job, though, because of the weight. They're really heavy. Other than that, it's pretty basic. Yeah. It's just follow the directions. <laughs> <laughs> and for listeners who want to find the nearest bench to them that's participating in the bench project, what's the best way they could they could do that? So the best way would be to go to thebenchproject.net and click on find a bench. And you're going to see a map and um, with all the little pins of the benches that we have. And then you can click on that or look at the list. But what's really unique is that each one of these benches is set up and they all have a bench tag on them, which is about a three by five aluminum tag that has a unique QR code. So when you do find one of these benches, you just need to open your camera app, scan the QR code, and the journal comes up. And that's how you access uh, who set it up and all the other thoughts that people have. The other thing, some of the benches actually do have uh, still a weatherproof bag and a physical journal with pens and colored pencils. But usually when those 
are in place, it's somebody's really watching out for it because you have to make sure the bag gets closed and the journal's not filled. But, you know, uniquely, those are really, really special. And I've actually had a few of those physical journals that have been filled sent back to me. So someday I think I'd like to do make like a coffee table book because there's so many pictures people drew and stories. And what's really nice about it, I think, is that, you know, people do start at the beginning. You know, I always encourage people start at the beginning of the journal and read what other people have written and then write your spin on it or how you feel. But People really do that because when you read the entries, whether it's on the tag or on on the journal, they talk about the people's entries before. So that's what I just love. It's all about connection. And I think you were sharing with me, I'm not sure if it was in uh, Utah or Colorado, but there was a physical journal that had been filled. And I think maybe the park ranger or the parks department noticed that it was filled and they wanted a new one. Was that based in Colorado or in Utah? Yeah, that was actually in Creed. Yes, in Creed, Colorado. So Lily and I dropped a bag because we didn't have tags back then. So we had a bag with a a journal and pens and we put it in this tiny little park that was between two buildings, like right on the main street, but it had two really cute benches. So we put it there and then Lily actually went back again, like maybe a month later and the journal was still there and it was getting filled, but not quite filled. And then I think it was probably about a month later, I got a message from someone on Instagram and she said, hey, so I'm up on the up and over trail in Creed and your bag is attached to the tree at the top of the hill. And I was like, really? So she looks at it and, and she's like, yeah, and it's almost filled. So what should I do? And I'm like, oh my gosh. So somebody probably took the bag from down there and carried it up the mountain, me thinking, you know, that's probably a better spot, which it probably was. So I said, you know what? Do you live there? And she was like, no, I don't. I'm just passing through. So I called the the town, I don't know, the like the mayor's office and talked to a woman. And she said, oh yeah, okay, just send me one. Send me a journal and I'll send somebody up and they'll replace that. So she sent somebody up the mountain. They put a new journal in there and then they brought the other one down and mailed it to me. So, oh, how kind. And that's just, you know, like it's things like that, that just, it just inspires me to keep doing this because you know what, every time there's somebody that says, thanks for doing this. This is so amazing. Like, look what we've, look what I'm part of creating. So yeah, good feeling. You're building a a wonderful community, Beth, with this project. And, you know, with the research for this, this episode, I I don't know if I'm now hyper aware of benches in my area, but I'm constantly seeing them. This weekend, actually, there's a beautiful um, mountain pass that closes in the winter because of the avalanche danger on it. And there's two benches on the riverbank that just have a gorgeous view. If I find a bench that would be a good fit for the project, how could I add it to the listings? So you can purchase a bench tag, just a bench tag on the website, thebenchproject.net. 
and we'll get that sent out to you. And what that would be, it's just uh, that aluminum tag and it has directions as to how to set it up. One of the big important factors is you need an internet connection. So because not only for the people to journal in it, but also for you to set it up. Interestingly, especially out West, there's a lot of places that are like perfect locations and you're like no cell service here, right? So yes, so that's all you would need to do. And typically, you know, state parks, national parks, unfortunately for right now, they're off limits because they really have a lot of regulations attached. But if it's just a bench out in the wild or a bench somewhere that is public, many times if there's no person around to say, hey, could I put a tag on this bench? Because you're not defacing it at all or defaming it. You know, you, you're really just, it's like a metal wire that you screw the tag and it hangs. So someone could easily remove it if, if they didn't feel that it was proper. But um, many times if I'm around, I'll just I'll have them find a spot and I just drop a tag there and leave it. Uh, now, if it's somewhere like outside of a coffee shop, I'll go in and talk to the person. Or if, you know, it's somewhere that I can see that this bench kind of belongs to someone, I'll make sure I talk to them. But I've never gotten refused. And then even the ones that are in those public parks that you know, city parks, they've lasted because I think, you know, people are like, this is so good. This is such a good thing. And even the newspaper and um, news channels have picked up on it and they're like, wow, look what came to our area, the bench project, you know, so it's fun. Oh, it's great. So outside of the internet connection and making sure that it's not owned either by the federal or state government, if it's on a park or by a private industry. Is there any other requirements in order to participate in the bench project besides those? No, not really. That's pretty much it. And you could, if you wanted, There's we have what we call the connection bundle. So the connection bundle is the tag with a bag, a journal, and colored pencils and pens. Um, you know, if it's a spot that you really, you know, you can kind of keep an eye on things, then you can actually put both there, a tag and a bag, because you know, there's something about putting pen to paper, you know, even though the tag is great with technology, and I think it's necessary at this point in our lives, there's a lot of people love to just open a book and like write their words or draw a picture. There's just something about that. Journaling is, you know, the benefits of journaling are many. And we're a little more unique because, you know, it's that connection between journaling and nature. So, but journaling is, you know, it's not only good for your memory, it improves self-confidence. Um, it definitely improves your communication skills because so many people that journal, they they get very used to writing down how they feel. And then when it comes time to be in a situation where you have to communicate that, you are much more confident because, wow, even though I may not have been speaking the words, I'm comfortable talking and letting people know how I feel. So communication's um, a huge benefit of journaling. And it's really something I think that kids especially um, would benefit from. You know, we have a lot of people that do a backyard bench and they put one of our benches in their backyard and they use it you know, for the whole family. So, you know, if one of the kids has a bad day at school, you know, why don't you go sit on the bench? And they, they sit out there and they color or they write something, you know, and then it creates that connection because maybe mom was out there the day before and she was writing that, you know, she was having a tough day. 
but this is what she did. And, you know, it creates that connection. But one of the things that I always do whenever I set a tag up or a journal, I always end with gratitude because I always say, you know, if you can think of something, the last thing that you write, write something that you're happy for, that you're grateful for, that you're thankful for. Because even in the midst of something that's really, really hard, you know, if you really look, you can find something that's beautiful. I remember reading a quote from, if you remember Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, you know, I remember him talking about hard things and as a kid. And he said, I remember my mom always said to me, whenever there's something that's going on that's hard and not pleasant, like even 9-11 or something terrible like that, right? He said, my mom always said to me, look for the helpers. Look for those people that are helping because that will make you realize that even in the midst of terrible things, there's always someone helping. So he said, that always made me feel good because I thought, you know, those are the helpers. So isn't that a great way to think about that? Yeah. Yeah. Fred Rogers had some amazing, not just quotes, but lessons that he shared and the the project has grown you know so quickly do you know how many benches are participating in the project or in how many states are they participating in um it actually grows every day but right now we're in 31 states so that's that's really huge wow the goal is is to get one at least in every state right yeah the goal is to get one in every state um and hopefully international too uh, you know, my vision for the bench project is to see my bench project benches in tough places like hospice units, hospitals, cemeteries, airports, universities, you know, where people find stress and struggle. And knowing that someone else has walked in your shoes really can make all the difference. But also in beautiful locations like ocean vistas, national parks, Disneyland, you know, where emotions and experiences both run deep. But also in just everyday places like outside coffee shops, in parks, on streets, where people can take a moment just to sit. But also in every backyard, because like I said, keeping families connected is priceless. So, um, and right now we are in local in my area. There's four different universities that have bench project benches and tags there. We, we're in a oncology unit where we have tags at every chemo station that are all connected to one journal because, you know, that's, that's a tough place to be. So yeah, there's lots, everybody has a different place and, you know, everybody has a story, so they fit in everywhere. Yeah, quite a variety of options to, to grow and to expand and to really build this community. One of your taglines that I really love, Beth, and I think a lot of hikers can relate to this, is you get outside to go inside. Can you elaborate on that tagline and what that means to you? Yeah, so I don't know. That just kind of rolled out of my mouth one day when I was doing a video. I was outside and I was like, yeah, so get outside to go inside because, you know, so many times you're in a situation, whether it's in work or home or whatever. And that situation just keeps you so stuck and you can't move forward from it. And it causes you so much stress. So if you can get outside, outside of that situation, especially in a green space or a blue space, even, you know, there's healing that happens. I mean, you really don't have anything else to focus on except the world around you and your connection to it. And if you can sit long enough to do that, that's really one of the things that I say. People 
probably arguably the hardest thing to do is to sit. Once you can do that, it just flows because then you're like, wow, this is good. And then you start noticing things and feeling things, but getting yourself out there to, you know, be part of um, nature and nature does have so much healing, lowers your cortisol levels, lowers your blood pressure, you know, lowers your heart rate. It decreases stress. It's, there's just something that, um, you know, being part of something so much bigger than you are. And, you know, any, like you said, hikers know what that's about. Because when you're out there, you know, and it's just you and nature, there's not a lot to really worry about, you know? So yeah, get outside to go inside. It's, and connection, you know, when we talk about that connection, like with the Bench Project, it's not just connecting to other people. It's that connection to yourself because that's where it starts. You have to have that first because, you know, you have to fill your own cup if, um, if your cup's not filled, you can't give what you don't have. Oh, very true. Very true. And, you know, at least in my experiences, I've never gone out to the outdoors and not come back happier. Oh, yes. Even if, it, if I haven't had a stressful day, I just feel better after a hike or even if it's just a short walk. It really does wonders to both you physically and, and mentally and emotionally. It's really great. Now, Beth... Kind of switching gears to um, hiking and doing walkabouts. Some hikers, they might have a, a summit ritual that they do uh, frequently, or maybe it's the end of the hike routine. Sometimes it could be like a favorite snack or meal, maybe a favorite drink, or even just a moment of zen. Do you have a regular custom that you've done when you reach your destination or maybe when you make it back out? Uh, well, my husband and I love craft breweries. <laughs> So we typically will research that. So if we're doing a hike and we're coming back, we know where we're stopping. When we're done, we've got a craft brewery that we're going to try. And on occasion, we'll pack up like one can that we get to the top and we're like, we're sharing it here. So yeah, that's our ritual. Um, and when it comes to, to your pack list that you're, you're packing, do you have right now a piece of gear that you consider your most valuable piece? I would, you know, when we were in Southern Utah, I had gotten a pair of ultra hiking shoes and the sand gaiters. They were probably the most priceless item that I've had. And I love those hiking shoes because they're very light, lightweight, but you know, I have a high top pair and a, and a low one, but I think good hiking shoes, you need the most. Yeah. For first time hikers that are, are going out there this spring and summer, do you have any tips or advice for them to have a safe and rewarding experience in the outdoors, especially if they're new to it? Um, I I think the All Trails app, hands down, is so good. Like we've used it every time we hike. And not only are you going to get reviews, but tips, and then you can follow where someone else went. So I think that app is really for new people, for sure, a, a must. Yeah, definitely some way to to navigate um, yourself um, to your destination and to make it back out. Now, we're a fourth of the way through 2023. What are some 2023 goals for the Bench Project and beyond 2023? And then what are some personal hiking goals for you and your husband for 2023 and beyond? Uh, well, the Bench Project, I think, again, getting in all 50 states, getting international, and probably doing some speaking about it. You know, I'd love to travel and talk. So 
you know, that would be a goal of mine. And for hiking, I would say we definitely want to get to Big Bend. Um, I'd like to get to Yellowstone. Lenny's been to Glacier, but I haven't. And then really the Pacific Northwest, you know, I, I really would love to get out there. I love the wine country area up there. And yeah, I think I'd like to see that area. Nice. Yeah. I'm based out of just outside of Yakima, which is central Washington's wine valley. But then you have Walla Walla wine valley. And yeah, if, if you ever make it out, um, feel free to reach out. I will. The, the closest bench to me that I've been able to find is on the Oregon coast. And I'm hoping to make it out there um, either later this spring or in the summer. And I'd love to be able to check it out because I want to say it is on a cliffside with just an impeccable view of the Pacific Ocean. Yep. My daughter put that one there. And that's, they lived in, they lived out that way for like a month. Oh, no kidding. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did you get a chance to visit her on while she was there? No, we didn't. No, it was beautiful. They loved, loved it. The, the Washington coast has its own uniqueness, but the, the Oregon coast, I think, has a little bit more beauty and just different uniqueness to it. Well, that was it for, for the regular questions, Beth. This last section of the podcast is that this or that questions. Um, it's two hiking related topics and you kind of just choose the one that fits you. All set? Yep. All right. So the first one is, do you prefer ascending or descending? Oh, ascending for sure. I don't want to slip (laughs) going down. And how about waterfalls or summits? Oh, summits for sure. Yeah. And do you prefer switchbacks or straight up? I'd rather go straight up. I'm a climber. And how about trek poles or freehand? Oh, trek poles for sure. When you get to be my age, balance is everything. And how about, do you fuel up before a hike or do you fill up after? I, I'm an after person just because uh, I don't want to have to stop and, you know, go to the bathroom. So. And how about bushwhack or go around? Oh, I'm going around. <laughs> and do you jump in or do you stay dry when it comes to lakes or, or streams? I'm dry. I'm definitely a dry person. Yeah, I, I get cold quickly, so... Unless it's really hot, I'm not I'm not jumping in. And how about sunsets or sunrises? Oh, sunrises for sure. We're early birds, so I mean sunsets are beautiful, but yeah, the sunrises, that's my thing. This one might be a little tough for you because I think you get the best of both worlds, but spring flowers or fall colors? Um, I think spring. For me, spring flowers. Yeah. And then the last one, Beth, do you ever tag a hike that you're on or do you not tag on social media? Um, you know, that's, I would say not tag because what we learned when we were on those Um, hikes with my daughter and Martine. There were so many unique places that we were alone, but they researched, you know, he had GPS coordinates that were getting us there. Like, I honestly think there's something sacred about that. So if you can work really hard and get yourself there, I think you deserve to get there. But I don't think that's for everybody just to go, bing, I'm going to go. So I think, I think that's like, uh, I'd say not to tag. Show the pictures, but not to tag. Yeah. Okay. Good rule of thumb. Well, thank you so much, Beth, for for joining me on the podcast today. For listeners that want to check out The Bench Project online, um, what are some of the best places they can find The Bench Project and um, what you're up to? So thebenchproject.net is the website and there are, is an events page. So you'll know when we're opening, if you're local to me, when we're opening the trail here on the farm that people, you could come and walk the bench walk trail. And you'd, you can also see that on 
Facebook and Instagram, we're at the Bench Proj. And then on TikTok, we're the Bench Project. Yeah. And I typically put up um, a reel or a post at least five days a week. Okay. Awesome. And I'll be sure to include those in the episode notes so listeners can can check them out. For the, the opening of the farm, do you guys do it for a set season, like from late spring to fall, or is it specific days? No, it's pretty much um, a couple weekends a month during those good months. And we have opened it in the winter when we had a great weekend kind of spontaneously and people have come to walk. But we usually do it and we do it for a local um, charity like Blue Chip Farm, which is dog rescue or Fork Over Love, which feeding people that need food and keeping restaurants open. Ruth's Place, which is a homeless women's shelter, different ones. And then people just give a donation and they walk. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, it has been a true pleasure to talk to you, Beth, about your hiking adventures and the bench project. I have a few benches already in mind that I want to have participate in the project. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you so much. It was really, it was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Thank you once again to Beth for joining us on this episode of the Hikes and Mikes podcast. Be sure to follow her and The Bench Project on social media and online to see where the nearest bench is located near you. For more information, visit thebenchproject.net and check out our episode show notes for all the social media links. We'll be putting out new episodes every week throughout the spring. Please be sure to like and subscribe to not miss out on those. Also, follow us on Instagram at Hikes and Mikes. Catch you on the next one. This episode's music was created by Ketza. Follow him on Instagram at Ketza Music. This episode is brought to you by Flip Socks. Whether you're on the trail, on the job, or in the yard, Flip Socks will keep Mother Nature out of your boots with their innovative nylon sleeve. You no longer need to worry about any annoying debris getting trapped in your boots during your hikes. Simply flip down the nylon sleeve over any boot to prevent Mother Nature from finding its way inside, keeping your feet comfortable all day long. To get your first pair, visit FlipSocksWithAZ.com and enter promo code HIKESMIKES10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And for listeners who use the promo code at checkout, I'll be donating 100% of the Season 2 promo code proceeds to Big City Mountaineers, who provide transformative experiences through connections to nature that strengthen life skills and build community for youth and disinvested communities across the nation. So if you're tired of bits and pieces of the trail finding its way into your hiking boots, pick up a pair of flip socks today with the promo code HIKESMIKES10 to get 10% off. For website and promo code, see the episode description.